It's a, it's a, it's a ill mind that's still time build and refine. Still getting mine in the nine at nine nine. <laughs> Don't touch the dial, you heard. What's good? What's good, everybody? DJ Geometrics here. Monday night, 9 p.m. Welcome back to the 9 at 9 DJ podcast, the online show where we have nine DJs on the roundtable panel discussing today's DJ topics. This show is brought to you by Beat Refinery DJ School at Bach to Rock. Learn how to mix, scratch, and make music by visiting BeatRefinery.com. We have school locations all across the nation. Tonight is part two of episode number 17. Our special guest panel from last week is back here tonight. And we're going to continue the discussion on mental health within the DJ community and dive more on how social media uh, affects it. So once again, welcome back to our... Welcome back to our special guests, Doc Adams, DJ Koo, DJ Impulse, DJ Alchemist, and Chris Bayer. If you guys missed last week's episode, you can always watch them again on Facebook.com slash Beat Refinery or YouTube.com slash Beat Refinery. Uh, so let me go ahead and introduce the rest of my crew here with me tonight. My co-host, we have DJ As One. What's up, guys? Welcome back. Got so- Sean J. Sanjay, who's that? Sean, Sean J. Jay. What up? What up? Sean what up? <laughs> you know what, Sean? Man? I actually I was listening to one of the episodes back, and I actually called you John J. <laughs> or John John J. For like some some reason. <laughs> I've got a good, I've got a good homie name. I got a good homie named Sanjay. Like, yeah, good guy. So Sanjay, yeah, tonight you're uh, you're Indian. So Sanjay. <laughs> Sanjay is good to be back. <laughs> and finally, I'm gonna pass off the mic to Styles Chris. Take it away, man. What's up, guys? Glad you're back with us here. Another episode, new week. Um, we are gonna continue our conversation on a pretty heavy subject that we've all myriad of subjects it, it kind of goes in so many different directions and it's been a really awesome enlightening conversation to have not only from personal levels but also you know having two guys like doc adam and chris bear give us a little bit more insight into how they approach it uh in their professional lives and um let's start with a quick icebreaker getting us all warmed up again uh what is Let's just go around quickly and give us like an, a, an artist, somebody, somebody, a music artist, or even maybe a genre of music if it's not a particular artist that you've been checking out since the quarantine. Somebody new that you've discovered. Uh, who wants to take it right away? Somebody new? Yeah, or just like it doesn't have to be a new artist. Like what? What? What have you been vibing with? Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, this has um, got a dope new album. 
You know, what All tickles right. your fancy? I listen to a lot of Bonnie Vare. Okay. Mm. On the side, I, I I went to go I went to go see them uh, in DC actually, a couple uh, months before lockdown happened. Nice, nice. A, a complete been, uh, opposite of club music. Yeah, that's exactly balance, why. Balance. Kind of what balance. we were what we were looking for. You yeah. know, I've been I got I don't even know how this happened, but I got in this weird. Uh, not weird at all. I got. I, I, it's just weird that I found it because I don't know how I got there. But I got into a, a Zamrock wormhole, which is like rock music from Zam- from Zambia uh, from the 1970s. So there was this whole scene, this rock and roll scene in Zambia in the 70s. People call it Zamrock. Um, there's a song called Kala, my friend, K H A L A, my friend, uh, by a group called Agonaz that you may have heard before. Like it's one of these, it's one of those songs that when you hear it, you're like, shit, I've heard this. Like I don't know where I heard it, but I've heard it. Um, <coughs> the Agonaz is one of the main groups. Which is another one. It's it's super interesting. It's like kind of psych rocky, um, very DJable. Honestly, even though like ironically on the last episode I was talking about that, but it is stuff that you could very easily play. It's super funky. Like kind of psych rocky, but there's a lot of like indigenous musical elements being infused in it in in really really interesting ways. Um, totally suggest like there's I think that I found after I started digging into this stuff, Vice I think it was Vice like Noisy did like a little 15 minute thing on Zamrock like nine or ten years ago on like nice. when they were still doing like VBS TV or whatever. So that's been my little like. I like getting, I like like nerding, like getting super nerdy about something and like digging in and rummaging and all the nooks and crannies. And that's been my thing for the last couple months. Nice. Kim? Uh, I would say I've been um, just being able to enjoy listening to a lot of really good female artists out there. I wouldn't necessarily say that they're like new or new to me necessarily. I just get more time to listen now since. You know, like a, a lot of guys were saying last week, like, you know, your relationship with music kind of changes when you become a DJ. So in terms of just like listening, I've been really doing a lot of listening to Jamila Woods and No Name, um, some Megan, of course. Uh, yeah. Have you been playing your viola? Of course. Yeah, I've been practicing nice. a lot more lately. Pretty nice. That's great. Yeah. Are we doing the box rock thing? From 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 there, should we not be talking about this? <laughs> Are you doing online lessons? Oh yeah, sorry. I, and I, stuff I, and all that. Yeah, I said Doctor. <laughs> yep, yep. So that was very. Well, big. Art, this <laughs> is a podcast for a DJ school, which is under a music school called Doctor Rock. So yes, we can talk. So about, we can talk about. Then you can have the dots. <laughs> when you're at Doctor Rock, don't talk about Doctor Rock. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of yeah. It's one of those things. But yeah. What about get viola lessons, Kim? Guys, what about you, Impulse? You always music music guy, so I'm expecting. Uh, No pressure. Twenty one Savage. I have not been listening today. (laughs) I have not been listening to Drake. Um, so that's been great. Hundred years. No TikTok music. Uh, Jesus Christ, no. Um. I'm trying to think. There's a group that I really like that I keep just going back to called Electric Guest that I'm sure some mm-hmm. of you guys like yep. heard. So I'm, I'm like really into them. Um, Flying Lotus, Masego. Um, there was one I, one I came across recently. 
um, I don't know if it's a, if it's a group or one person or whatever called Honey. Um, Honey, really dope. Like nice little mix of um, kind of like future future shit, some housey shit, but also like some lo-fi type shit. Um, yeah. But usually, if I'm in the house, I'm like, or I'm editing photos or video, um, I just throw on like the lo-fi um you know playlist on on spotify and just you know just just connect with everything yeah 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 you think about lo-fi it's like it's so chill and enjoyable and then you think to yourself man i could make the illest lo-fi beat but then you never do it no (laughs) i think every time because your beat turns into some crazy club shit and it's like you're like oh but that's but that's but that's us as d as djs that's how we that's exactly how we think we can Mm -hmm. never like we always have when we're making music for those that make music we're always thinking about the dance floor Mm -hmm. and that's Mm -hmm. i don't think that's something that we'll ever be able to detach from Uh, some people can but i i yeah I can't like I want I want to make shit that makes people move you know sure yeah. I love I think I, I feel like I can because I feel like everything I listen to like outside of club shit is like super depressing <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to find a place to set up a drum kit and start a shitty hardcore band again so like that's, <laughs> that's, uh, that's like my that's my main objective. Yeah, I, I, I need to, I, I need to, I need to relearn how to play the drums a little bit because I was mm-hmm. once very good at that shit, and now I am not so good. That's <laughs> what happens when you don't practice. You know, you practice every day for fifteen years, and then you don't practice at all for fifteen more. <clears throat> yeah, it's a little rusty. Yeah, honestly, like e- even even like starting like gigging again, like that first gig back, I was like, how does this fucking work again? Same. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I heard stories of a lot of guys like the first gig back, like leaving thing, you know, like oh yeah, left their MacBook charger or you know, one guy even saw like that's me, like got to the club and left his MacBook at home, you know, just like got there and was like, oh, I guess I'm DJing with Record Box on on USBs tonight. Was I was DJ. DJ. <laughs> Chris Barry, Chris, you got uh, any good music? Yeah, Chris Barry, what you got? Yeah, yeah thanks for asking. Um. Like a lot of different stuff. I like, uh, I've been listening to the Avalanches, which is this, oh. if you haven't checked them out, it's this super oh, yeah. layered. Dope. Yeah, I like them. Really good. You know, latest album. I listen to a decent amount of Psych Rock, so like Brian Jonestown Massacre and that kind of stuff. And then I also <laughs> big, really big like. Big fan, big fan. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I like also really old like DJ Crush stuff, like the super oh, yeah. like minimal so I I like that. 30 9 30 club back in the day yeah, yeah that was a sick man. show that was a, that was yeah. a sick show Fuck yeah it. so that t- it just shows you how old i am you know <laughs> so that's what i those are the things i've been listening to nice i think we all um we have good taste yeah or we all you know at, we all should it's important to always remember that this is you know a bunch of guys that and girls and that make make their way through listening to a lot of music on a you know week to week basis um and it's part of not only part of our job but it's you know we got into it Gio and I used to always make sure when we were first starting the program 
the the DJ program, we used to tell people like you're not going to really be a great DJ if you don't like <clears throat> love music beyond a normal person's love. Like if you say you like love music, I want to see if you truly love music. And then we, you know, sometimes you people realize they don't really love music; they just kind of like it a lot. And there's a difference, and it's almost there's almost an obsession. To, uh, it's it's to, the willingness to go digging. I think that's what separates the crowd. But yeah. actually, I think to transition that into the, the conversation at hand, um, there's that big separation. We've been talking about it in the previous episode as well as a little bit today of like going on the hunt and going into DJ mode where you're just trying to find things, find things, find things for the express purpose. Like Doc Adams said before of like, I'm listening for a particular thing that's going to make this useful for an edit or useful for a DJ set. And I think uh, one of the things that I definitely want to pose as a question to everybody is how do you separate your, your mind from, I am DJ Sean Jay over here, but I'm also Sean Johnson, a person that from likes work mode to person, per, you know, work to mode and person mode. mode split. Like, how do you separate the two? Or does anybody else feel like that's a difficult split to make? Because I'm struggling with that. Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. I think uh, the one the one thing that comes to me, my mind is the uh, the fact that um, I guess. When people speak about me, the one term that tends to jump up is the like the word humble, I guess. And and I, I guess like in my personal life, I I am very much so. On stage, it, it's a different story, but that's more of like an act, you know. Um, yeah, especially uh, as a turntablist, you have to put on a persona that's, that's yeah. a lot more animated. Battle mentality. A lot more animated. Yeah, and I am that animated guy, you know. But at the end of the day, wait, what was the question? <laughs> how do you separate the two? Yeah, you, you can turn it, it on, but like, how do you decide? You walk when to school or, or bring it one. one or the other? Yeah, it's it's because art is as one, right? But but at the end of the day, as one, aka Atitsi Bunurong has a family just like everybody else. He's got people that are out there that are hitting me up who don't give a shit about DJ or music stuff, <laughs> you know. And those people are the ones that. You know, you don't talk about every day on social media. We know this for a fact. These are the people that we talk to every day through our personal private text chains, our families, our sisters, our brothers, our cousins, our, our, you know. Um, So I think it's like my, I think my family, you know, helps me separate that because at the end of the day, you know, like my little sister, we're about 11 years apart. And I like, I I tell you what, this one time I had um, Chris Carnes came to town. I had Chris Carnes at my place. We were sessioning. I said, hey, uh, uh, um, my sister was in the neighborhood. She was hanging out with my mom and she she didn't stay there at the time. Um, And they they were there and she was like, "Um, is he staying? I was like, he is. I was like, he's a fucking world champion, bro. Like fucking world champion. She's like, I don't care. Where is he going to sleep? Are you going to have him sleep on that? <laughs> you know, are you having going to sleep him on that nasty ass couch, dude? Like, I'm going to make a bed for him, you know? And and she made like this bed for him, you know? Like it, it's like family that helps keep me grounded. They just don't care about all the other shit that everybody else gasses you up about, you know? I think it's important to have friends that aren't DJs. Yeah. 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 For sure. For totally. sure. Yeah. 
You know, I think as I'm as I'm coming into my own now, I'm I'm honestly having less and less of those. To be honest with you, I I, I you know I more friends my, that are not DJs or friends that are DJs. No, new new friends that aren't DJs. Uh, I, mean, I guess as as oh for, you know, for I mean as a 38 year old man, like you know, you have your acquaintances, you have your professional life, and then you have the people that you've known for 30 some years, like whether you like them or not. You know what I'm saying? Like, these people know you before you were you, you know? Like, the guy that, like, you know? So, I think, uh, well, it be You have to have, you know, like, I, I, we, we discussed this in, our, in, like, one of our meetings before our production meeting. You know, we were talking about, like, how, um, you know, especially, like, NBA players or, 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 or you know, any, any celebrities, you know, like, the, the, the closest friend that they have really are the ones that they grew up with or or like the ones they went they went to college or you know like don't lie we were talking about this with about justin bieber bro. justin bieber because justin bieber <laughs> had that has that new song and he talks about how like how he he was like basically you know, the song is lonely and and he was saying like how you know he didn't have when he started fucking up you know uh as a, as a teen, he didn't have any but like real close friends to really ground him, you know, because you you'll have like a lot of NBA players, like most of their, you know, athletes like NFL, NBA, you know, once you make that money, you know, your, your friends are your, your inner circle, like the, the people that you grew up with. <clears throat> and he was saying he didn't have that because he he got famous at a young age, you know, and, and I think that's really important for like as as far as like. Yeah, at the end of the day, DJing is a lonely job, you know? I mean, you, you, most of the time, you're just there in the booth, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, thing. And you're driving home all by yourself, you know, driving to the gig by yourself. Well, you know, I wanted to... All the hard work is all Nobody's by yourself, seen. like, you know, like, in the, the behind-the-scenes stuff. All the well, I wanna, Real quick, I want to throw that over to Doc Adam, um, just because he deals with this in his field a bit, like... Why is it as Americans particularly that we have this big struggle with dealing with loneliness? I mean, I think in this Western culture. I think a lot of it, I mean, so it's interesting. A few, a few different things, a few different things come to mind. I was actually ironically or weirdly or maybe super appropriately was just thinking about uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson. Uh, it was like, well, Emerson's one of my favorite writers, you know, sort of American transcendentalist oftentimes referred to writing in like the 18, 1840s and 1850s yeah. in, in, uh, in New England. Um, and there's an essay by him uh, called The American Scholar that was actually a lecture he gave, I think, at Harvard. Um, and in there, like, there's this, there's this really famous section of the essay where he says, he says, in America, I fear that, I'm paraphrasing, I don't remember the exact quote, but in America, I fear that, I fear that we, are, we are turning into our roles Right. So we are becoming farmer. We are becoming carpenter. We are becoming painter instead of man farming, man carpenting, man painting. Right. Like there's like, like in other words, like we lose ourselves in, in his case, he's talking about occupations, right? The idea that we, 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 we start to treat the thing that we do, we do as the means by which we make our money, right? The thing that provides us our money becomes the entirety of our identity. And we don't have anything independent of that, right? All of our sense of self-worth is tied to it. The the way that we navigate the world is tied to it. The way that we form our relationships is are tied to it, right? And, um, but, but at, at the end of the day, those things are fundamentally transient, 
right? Like the pandemic hits and you can't do your job anymore. Then like, what the fuck am I? You know what I mean? Like that, like mm-hmm. I, I don't have a self anymore because all, all I've, all I've ever known myself as is this, this particular circuit in a, this particular circuit in a, in a financial marketplace, right? That like, I, I, I output labor doing this thing and intake money, <coughs> you know, intake money in exchange. And, and all of my relationships are, are framed and formed based upon that role that I have. Um, so that was the one I was, oddly, I was just thinking about that. Cause like when I, when I, when I was, um, I think when I was, a, when I was still, a, when I was still drinking, um, you know, I was, I, I have struggled with insecurity, like imposter complexy type stuff my entire life. I grew up in like a super small town in the middle of nowhere. I went to like terrible public, like, you know, I, I, I big fan of public schools, but I went to a really terrible one. Um, mm-hmm. like the, the smallest state accredited public school in the state of Michigan. I was one of two people from my graduating class that went to college. Like everyone else either wow. went to the military or, or, you know, just stayed there. Um, like we had, I had four years of mandatory wood shop in high school. So when I like, when I, when I went to college, I was like shook. Cause I was like, Oh my God, all these people are so fucking smart. They read all these books. They know all this shit. Like, and that stuff's followed me around forever. Like regardless of how many degrees I got or how much I accomplished or this, that, and the other thing, I always felt like I was an outsider and like I didn't belong. And so DJing gave me the shine, right? Because in the eyes of kids that I thought, I thought they thought they were too cool for me. DJing was the thing that was like my, my Trump, my in, you know, that was like my in, they were like, Oh, he's the DJ. That's dope. You know, then all of a sudden I was like, cool guy. Right. But, um, it was so stressful for me the entire time because I was still thinking like, what if they find out, like, what if they find mm-hmm. out I'm this dork? What if they find out I'm not actually this like cool guy that I think that they think I am? This is going to be fucking terrible. So when I would when I would meet someone who didn't care about DJing, right, and I would have a conversation with them, I would have this moment where I would panic because I'm like, well, how am I going to make them think I'm cool, right? But then, but then I would simultaneously have this moment where I'm like, oh shit, I don't have to be cool right now, you know? And it was this massive sense of relief of not having to try to feel like the, try to feel like a cool guy for a moment, you know, where I was able to step away from it. That, that I, that was what I was thinking about initially when we were talking about this was sort of my relationship with that. When I like back to the Emerson thing, when I ceased to be like human, I ceased to be like DJ and started to think of myself as like human DJing, meaning like a human who DJs sometimes, you know, I'm also a human who reads books sometimes. I'm also a human who has a sister and I'm a human who has a nephew and I'm a human who has a wife and I'm, human who has two cats and like all of these things, all these relationships I have are the things that actually like make me who I am. Like it's the sum total of all of them. It's not any one. Right. Um, but to, to, to your question about America, I think the thing is, is like, it comes back to something we were talking about in the previous episode, right? We're, we're trained to think of ourselves as fundament, fundamentally as individuals, right? Like individuals who, who don't need anyone else. Like American culture is fundamentally like a zero sum game, right? Like there's winners and there's fucking losers. And like in every interchange, someone wins and someone loses. Greed right? is They're, good and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this, this is just baked, it's baked in, it's baked into our culture, like at a very fundamental yeah, level. So, one of the things, one of the things that that ends up meaning for us, I think, is that um, 
we are, whether we know it or not, and I'm being a bit of like a psychoanalyst here, like all of us from the time we're very young are like, ex- and I, I saw this a lot, like in my years and going to like 12 step meetings, when you're like hanging out with other drunks and drug addicts who are like being really vulnerable, like everyone, the tough, you know, toughest looking dude you ever saw, everyone's like, I've been lonely for as long as I <clears throat> You know, like I've been lonely. I've been being lonely from the time I was a little kid to the present day. Like I've been fucking lonely. I just didn't, I either didn't know it or I, or I tried to hide it or I tried to cover over it or I was told, and I think this is the part about American culture. I was told that feeling that way was a sign of weakness, mm-hmm. right? So we've been, we've been trained, especially for men, right? This is just like, this is like, I, 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 I don't, I won't go on like my whole, I have, I have issues with the notion of toxic masculinity for a variety of reasons. Cause I think the term is over. I think the term is abused and not used in particularly helpful ways, generally speaking. But like, um, that is an ax aspect of masculinity that is toxic, right? It's th- this idea that like I, I, I alone can like solve all of my own problems that I don't need anyone else other than myself. Like we are fundamentally social communal creatures. That's what we are. Like we're, we're built to live with others and to, you know, we're, we are at our happiest. I mean, this is something that there's plenty of data to show when we're, when we're working with others to solve communal problems, right? When I have like a role in a larger project with other people and I wake up in the morning and I know exactly what role I'm playing that day. And I have a sense of purpose that's connected to a greater, you know, a good greater than myself. Um, but we're, we don't live in, we don't live in a culture like that. So we're not equipped, you know, we're not, we're also not equipped then to think about being lonely because we're told that that means we're being weak that, you know, so when the loneliness hits us, it's, it's not just the first bout of loneliness hitting you, right? It's, it's that loneliness. And then chances are, however many other years of loneliness that you have papered over and pretended weren't all there. This other it stuff. just, exactly. It fucking avalanches on the top of you. You know, and you might not have the, you might not have the, you know, the vocabulary or like the, you know, what, you know, particular like theoretical apparatus or whatever to articulate it. But I think there's that sense of just, I think that's oftentimes what happens with the like midlife crisis is it's someone who's like been living kind of with the, like thinking they're, they're fake it. They're on the fake it till you make it train, you know, and, and they hit the point, they hit the point when all of a sudden they realize there's no make, there is no make it. You know what I mean? Like they, they've been, they, they, they've done all the things they were told they needed to do to be happy and be successful and they accomplish it. And they're like, fuck, I, I'm still sad or I still feel mm-hmm. like there's something missing, right? In that moment, that's why you see, you know, that's why you see these breakdowns. I still you know, feel people, black. Yeah. yeah, you know, and that, that's why you <laughs> see these breakdowns. And then Amer- because of what American culture is, is fundamentally a consumer culture, like the way we try to deal with it. That's the cliche of the midlife crisis. You know, I buy the... I buy the convertible and I start doing a lot of cocaine at 47 and trying to bang 21 year olds at the club and be in the creepazoid, right? Or whatever. Cause, cause that's like, that's what our culture, like here, you know, that's what, that's what we valorize. And, and, you know, so people retreat to that, but like at, at the end of the day, the, the fact that we are so we're taught that like we should be proud to be individuals and that, and that, that is the thing that we, we should hang our hat on most makes us the most poorly equipped to deal with the feeling of being lonely. I think that's, that's really what it comes down to from, from my perspective. I think, I think that's like why we are so ill-equipped, like friends of mine who are, um, you know, even, even friends of mine in Germany, I lived in Germany for a couple of years when I was in grad school. 
<clears throat> even friends of mine there, um, when I've talked to them during the pandemic, you know, the first day when I spoke to them, they were like, man, I'm so sad. This, you know, this sucks. Like I'm lonely. I'm lonely. This is going to really blow. Like they were, and, and it, I didn't really think about it at the time, but I'm like, oh, they are health. They are processing their emotions in a healthy way immediately without like burying them and covering them over and pretending they're tough and that they aren't feeling these things and that they need to hide them. They're just addressing them right now as they're coming up, they're being addressed, you know? And so when you talk to them six weeks later, they're like in a significantly better headspace than all my dumbass friends here who were like trying to be super cool guy about it. And then all of a sudden, you know, two months in everything fucking crumbled, you know, because well, let's the, take that, the, the, right, that yeah. point right there. I want to, yeah. Show of hands real quickly. Um, who's seen the movie The Social Dilemma? Because I think there's a lot in there. What you just with what you just said, Doc Adam. Show pieces hands. of it. Pieces of it. All right. Pieces, so pieces. Ha- after seeing that movie, do we feel like? Well, anybody feel free to chime in on this one. Um, do Do you feel that the way that American culture is structured is like preying on the weaknesses we have in our individuality? I mean, I'll keep talking. <laughs> let's, let's, bring, let's bring Chris, uh, Chris Bear in, this, yeah. in on this. Chris Bear I'm on just going to say this one thing, which is that, you know, the, the saying that goes in the software development community that if you're not buying the product, you are the product. Uh, that was a line that stuck out for me from that. Yeah. yeah right? that. Your dopamine is for sale, you know, and so all UX is designed to bring the interface. I mean, we used to sit across from a television and now we're here, the screen's closer and VR is even closer. The closer we can get to our neurology, the quicker we have the ability to influence behavior. So it's a, um, it's it's a uh, it's an existential challenge of our time. You know, I was talking to the, the kids. I have two daughters that are, you know, they're 13, 15. And um, I was saying, you know, it's like we're living in a century now, like 20 years into this century. And you know, we haven't had in a world war yet, thank God, but we have had COVID. But what will, if you think about the difference between the 1800s and the 1900s, it was pretty different. It's going to be super different. I think between 1900s and you know the 2000s and and it's going to look more like this kind of stuff. So we will need to get pretty um we need to get pretty serious and self-aware and self-reflective about how we choose to spend our present moment whatever that present moment is, you know, um being intentional about it otherwise someone else will make the choice for us and it'll it'll jump our synapses before we even know it's happening hmm. skynet is self-aware i gotta i gotta jump in just briefly off the back of that because working in you know working in advertising you know the i mean same thing with ux like the when you it's hilarious, you know, as somebody with a PhD in philosophy, as a philosophy professor, studied culture at a really deep and fundamental level. My five years working in strategy at advertising agencies and elsewhere have taught me that the reality of the world we live in is so much uglier than I was ever able to, like, critically analyze my way to. Like, it's like everything it's is so, so much more fucked up than I thought it was. You know, like, like every, like nothing, 
like somebody, you know, I was, this is a random example of this and this isn't really answering the question you asked, but like, uh, and then I, you know, I don't know, I don't want to like dive into politics stuff and it's not, not my intent here, but like when, uh, Kamala, there was like a photo of her, like there was two photos of her, like in a couple of days in a row where she had like one day, I think she had, she had Tim's on. And then there was another day she had like Chuck, she had like Chuck Taylor's on and like the, all of Twitter was a buzz about like, Oh, like the context. Yeah, Yas Queen, stick, you know, look at her kicks, blah, blah, blah. So cool, so cool. Like, she's got such great style. And, I, you know, all, all I can think when I'm seeing this is I'm like, like, people don't understand that, like, do people, or like, do people not know that, like, they focus grouped 80 different pairs of shoes, hmm. you know, for the better part of six months before that happened? Like, all, none of that shit is by accident. Like, nothing you see is by accident. All of it is planned. All of it is constructed. All of it is tested. All of it is market researched. Like, like, it's, it's focus grouped in the, you know, like, it's, it's all dialed in, you know, it's all dialed in with like, if, and if you're resonating to it, chances are you are in like the psychographic bucket that the shit was built for, you know, like, like, it's, all of this stuff is just it's built to prey upon to, to, to your question right it's built to prey on the particular neuroses whatever you want to call them of different segments of the populace like the the job you know like and i'm not saying this is not to make myself sound <laughs> the terrible key is to keep the consumer engaged that's like no, pretty yeah. much like social the yeah. social media business models yeah, yeah, yeah keep them in the casino baby yeah <laughs> engage no, them. I, keep no, chips no, on the table and, and that's just that's just that's just brand building period right like whether yeah. it's whether it's uh and i think that's the thing last thing i'll say about this i think the thing about the biggest thing with social media to me is that uh that i don't think people have really like started to reckon with independent of all of the like you know addictive addictive dopamine aspects of the actual like user interfaces is the fact that we have a generation of people now who have uh raised themselves or been raised as a brand Right. Like, cause that's what we are for the most part when we're online is we're a brand, right? Like if, if you've ever had a thought, if you've ever thought to yourself, I don't know if I should post this or not. It doesn't really fit on my feed. Yeah. Right. That's because you're a brand, right? Like, and, and you've, you've changed from being a person into being a brand and that's fucking weird. Right. That's, that's very, very, very weird. Wow. Right. It's just something intensely bizarre about that. And like, not really a way that I don't know that we necessarily have the tools to understand, you know, the, the damage that that might be doing to people in terms of how they relate to themselves internally, you know, like the, cause I always tell people and that, other like, people and other people. Oh, for sure. Because all of us are then engaging surfaces, surfaces to surfaces, you know, and like, there's an assumption that there's depth behind the surface, but like at what point does that depth actually disappear? It's all, know, it's uh, all a hall of mirrors, you know, yes. really. Yeah. yeah. We're, it was at, as one, you were saying, uh, talking about your fans, I think earlier on, <laughs> like how, and I'm, this goes actually for everybody. What is it like having fans? Like I had some fans, but it was like four, maybe seven. <laughs> <laughs> um, how has that shaped the way you look at yourself? Oh, yeah, man, that's a good question. Like, uh, you know, back to the mental health thing, I think uh, there's definitely a point in time where I let ego take control of the wheel. 
ego was driving you know the uh the wheelhouse at that point and and that's when things got really crazy really dark really quickly you know and um it's it's i think for me though uh what's humbling for me is that i always looked at myself as some kid who i don't know never i don't know growing up being short uh a short asian kid who looks hispanic in uh, going to grade school in in uh, montgomery county maryland like you know i i think about this uh basketball i got picked last i wanted to be on the bat they didn't even give me a shot and it's like that guy no you know like i was always going through this whole thing where i had to work really hard to to um i don't know just to get noticed i guess and not that i really cared but you know i think with with for me it's at the point now where I think culturally, I, I look at myself, and I've said this before, I'm a fan first, right? So I'm a fan of the culture, and, and me being a fan led me to being where I am now because I was so nerdy about it, just like wanting to do it, you know, wanting to be a part of it. Um, so now it's like, uh, you know, I feel like there's a, there's a certain line, and, and, and exactly, you know, I feel like I'm a victim of, of what Doc Adam was saying, you know, uh, on social media. If you look at um, you know one of my one of my close friends that aren't wasn't a DJ he was he was saying this about my my social media he was like it's it's very uh, it's cured it, you know, very well you know it's very it's curated you can tell it's very like everything you post is thoughtful there's a time and a place for it and and that's true and 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 this is you know back to where I I don't post certain extracurricular activities that I you know might enjoy my whole life on my on my business thing brand wise now because simply i have kids that follow me you know and not only do i have kids i have their parents you know and i i, yeah, I love I all you guys some of these helicopter parents even you know they they get to know me real well They're like why does my kid like you so much man like i want to and i'm like who is this person on twitter you know and i'm like oh <laughs> jimmy's mom you know um so i think there's i'm i'm you know i think being knowing being self-conscious that I'm kind of being um, watched, um, every move, uh, you know, keeps me walking that fine line. But yeah. but but keeping that mental attitude of knowing when to, you know, how to how to keep the line straight is is the hard part. You know, there's uh, one thing that you said there that 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 bothered the hell out of me. It's like it's when when, when your friend said, "Oh man, your your social media is curated so well," you know, like I. For some reason, I hate that that word, especially like you know, it's, it's, if, yeah. if somebody told you that that, that means like you know, uh, everybody's like very, very much like brand centric, you know, like yeah. trying to, you know, not, you know, post up the the right thing, not the wrong yeah. thing, that sort of thing. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta walk that right line, you know. Yeah, and I think I find that balance. It's just that like, you know, I'm involved with so many things. This stuff, this, this, the, you know content creation you know i think at the end of the day i got into it as a dj and then what i'm finding myself that's another buzzword right there content creation, content creation. <laughs> it's like i feel like i'm just creating content. Like i know that word is that, those two words are like super <laughs> optimizing content. your content we're, we're creating content guys like people are watching this content you know and they're um i don't know it's just it's weird well the, the interesting thing really is like all of us are old enough to remember when you weren't 
on social media and we were probably all still yeah. at an adult age and there's a, a younger generation coming in that scared for this. My, like my son is six and he's already understands all of this stuff. He knows what Instagram is. He knows. I mean, even though he's not, doesn't have an account or anything, but it's like he's being influenced by YouTubers that are his age that are doing like trick, like trick shot bottle flipping and stuff. It's, it's, it's crazy. The phenomenon of like bottle flipping and like, my son will sit around for like three hours and f- and make these obstacle courses in our basement of like all these tricks that he has to get through. He's like making a gauntlet of bottle flips, you know, and he's he's like, I want to film them and put them on my YouTube channel. And I'm like, slow down, sport, you know, like, <laughs> like well, also, if you ask these kids, like, what do you what do you want to be when you grow up? Most of them will probably say, oh, I want to be a YouTuber. YouTube. Yo, they're they're so into that. it. They're so into it. And and even like, you know, I like to I like to brag on my kid. And like, I'm actually the opposite of you are even on my brand. I usually post more like my family or other stuff because I just I I kind of hate social media in that sense of of trying to promote yourself and i think it's kind of stupid to a degree and like i always <laughs> yeah. appreciate i always appreciate the guys that have really dope social media followings that i follow them uh, for the friendship or like that they're also a dj but their social media feed is totally non-dj that's some of the best tweets man i ever <laughs> well hold up real quick impulse i know you're you're living the dad life right now um how do you uh talking about curated instagrams and everything yours your photography's on point but how do you feel in regards to like being a role model as a as a like self-made person on the internet raising kids that are looking at that like this is what i need to do so mine are 11 and 13 two girls and they have never lived a life without internet or social media. So, you know, you, you, you have these moments where, you know, today that, you know, they, they play this game called like Roblox or I don't know what the fuck. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it's called. <clears throat> anyway, so they play, Dad, this, I need they some play Robux. This, they play this game. Right. And the, and the younger one has spent more hours than I'd like to admit playing this game and she's really good and she has all of she has this like clout and she's like in these servers with these famous youtubers and that's she's like oh my god i'm in here with blah 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 i'm on her youtube uh i'm i'm in a video i'm in a video right now and i'm like there has to be more to life than you getting stoked but i'm like uh, I don't, I don't like, I probably would have done the same thing if I was, mm-hmm. if I was a kid, like I'll, we always have to think back. It's like you guys were saying in the last episode about the younger generation and not having those experiences and knowing how to process them. And um, so, you know, you know, when I see them get super excited off of something like that, I just have to kind of step back and, but the older, the older me is like, come on, bro. Like, I don't, I, like, I don't, like, I'm, am I failing as a parent? Like, because you're so stoked on this. Um, so it's just a, it's a, it's, well, I don't know if that answers your question, but that, but that's like, um, and, and then, and then as far as social media goes, I have 
their friends that follow me. Like the kids' friends follow me because they think I'm like the cool dad that like DJs and travels and does photography. And And you are. Well, you have a cool ass Instagram. Yeah. I mean, you got Thank you. But like, but, but they're kind but, but, but they're, but there came up. There came a point. But there, to you, there, you're you. I get it. There, yeah, there came a point where I was like, I don't give a fuck about taking a picture in a DJ booth in front of a crowd anymore. Like, mm-hmm. I'm so sick of seeing that shit. And I feel so bad for the people that that was their whole life is getting that one that that shot mm-hmm. fucking air cannons going off and <laughs> And like all, all of that, like I feel for you. I don't know what the fuck you're doing with yourselves now, but cool. Wait, <laughs> um, is that you, bro? No, no, that's me off to the side. I'm on the <laughs> like, blocking my face. But once I once I started like not caring about that, and I just kind of <laughs> put out put out what I felt, and there, trust me, there are people that are that have very curated Instagrams and they mm-hmm. can only put out this one thing. And it sucks because you don't really know what else that person's into, mm-hmm. you know? So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, we have, That's what they use know, my stories for. Yeah. 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 Stories yeah. Are, are totally every game. I, I post whatever. For y'all. sure. For sure. But like, there's I so many read. of us. Yeah. There's so much, there's so much uh, depth to mm-hmm. all of us in this, in this conversation and in, in our, in our friends and whether they're DJs or not, um, you know, you kind of want to know more about this person rather than just the, the same shit. Oh, I'm in an I airport. That's, I think that's why I've kind of gravitated towards Twitter the most, because mm-hmm. I feel like people just talk shit on there all day and it really lets me know who they are more so right. than like Instagram yeah. does because Instagram is you're right. Instagram and Facebook are just like it's so curated. It's Facebook is so yep. mainstream and so business associated now that it, it kind of loses like the it's lost the soul. You know, totally. I feel like people just talk shit on Twitter all day and that's why I think I enjoy that the most. Mm-hmm. That's where I get my news. That's where I definitely it's the get my news. Place to get yeah. news. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. Or just know what's happening in the even at the street level of like where things are moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I definitely remember, you know, Kim and I do gigs together and I'll be like, hey Kim, I've gotta get this picture of you for Instagram for and and Kim will be like, All right, fine. I don't wanna be on the internet. Yeah. Give us a bit of your perspective, you know, because you're you're kind of I think at an age where um, you know, a lot of people your age especially are super all in on it and they're they're living their whole life on it and you know, even when they only have three or four people watching them, they're like, you, you would think that they're talking to 10 million people right now on the internet, you know, the way the way the persona is. And you're like the opposite of that. So, I mean, just give us a, some insight into it. Well, first of you. all, Kim, have you posted anything on your Instagram? Because for the longest time, you had nothing in there. Well, I, I, I did ultimately, so I was kind of running a social experiment of how many followers can I get if I never post a single post. <laughs> and ultimately, I did have to post because I was getting paid to do it. So I was like, okay, fine. But the funny thing about that is that people, because we like don't, 
like we we live our lives on the internet now so we don't like actually have real lives anymore the funny thing about that is that once i started posting on instagram people would hit me up and they'd be like oh congrats you finally got a gig and i was like bitch i've been doing this for 10 years like <laughs> you just don't know me you know what i mean it's like this post i was paid i had to do this so i could keep my gig you know like but this isn't the first time i've ever like been behind the decks. Not my first. You know what I mean? So, um, but yeah, I I guess I'm a little old school. I deleted my Facebook like years ago. And the only reason why I even had it in the first place was because I thought I had to have it to be a DJ. Um, But I I just find all that social media just like a waste of time personally and toxic. And I'd rather just have like live in the real world with real people. And if people like feel like they don't know me because I'm not on social media and they're not like trying to actually reach out to me in real life, then I don't really need to, you know, worry about having a relationship with them. I just want to have like real people, real life, real experiences. And if that makes me like a weird, like technophobe or technophobe or whatever, I don't know, like that I'm cool with it. Um, but it's, it, I'm not, I'm not about like the whole curating image, blah, 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 bullshit. Like I don't have time for that shit. Um, Kudos to people who do it and do it well. That's just not me. I just I <laughs> Well has anybody has anybody taken a break from social media as in like deactivating like their Facebook or Instagram, taking breaks. I want to so bad because I know some some DJs have done that, but uh, does uh does texting count as social media? <laughs> I would say no because there's no algorithm controlling any group, of it. Group texting? I feel like I was hoping somebody would jump on that. <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I think it does personally, but that's a that's really. All. Yeah, because I, like, yeah, yeah. I gave it all up. I'm My way to balance is I have all these social media accounts, but if you actually know me, people will say, "I know you're around, but I can never get in touch with you." It's because I'm not paying attention to that shit. Sure, I'm getting all those Facebook messages and and Instagram DMs, and when I go, it's like all this shit, and I miss stuff. Get, don't get me wrong, but at the end of the day, I just ignore it because I have other shit going on. So keep yourself busy, and you know all that stuff will will have to come second, you know, and you have to play catch up. And best place to do that is like what on the toilet or you know, I don't know, being real, you know. ID used to have a poopstagram. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so real quick, it's funny that we're doing, we're talking about all of, all of this stuff because I actually ordered a flip phone um, for the for this reason. So, um. I because I need to check emails. I need like now that you know, I need to respond respond to people um, for bit for work. Yeah. Um, I don't need. I, I I can open my computer and do that in the mornings or in the evenings. Um, but I don't. I need. I need to be able to get a hold of. I have a family, and but I don't need all the other bullshit. So, wow. in comes in 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 comes the in comes the Motorola. Back to the razor. You need to send that text though. You're like, you hit three. No, I don't know what. You're playing uh-huh. Snake on the on your Listen, phone. Just just call me. <laughs> just 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 call me. If you need to talk to me, then 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 call me. But that's that's what it's that's what it's going to be. And I'm gonna I'm going to. It sucks that I we have to do that that I'm doing that. But 
I feel like it's the only way. I'm not as I'm not as addicted to the phone as I once was. You've um, changed, man. You've changed a lot. <laughs> a lot. No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah. I mean, it's 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 worth it's worth giving a shot. It could totally change the way I look or live or see things. Like if it if it costs me a hundred bucks to to give it a shot, then then fuck it. But I'm gonna. See, see what happens, but the shit is toxic. Like it's not. It's an addiction. It's meant. It's meant. It's, it's, meant, it's meant to keep you, keep you, keep you on. And, and I don't. Do. Yeah. It reminds beeper pager. Beeper. There we go. <laughs> Hell yeah! Take it way, way pager. Hit me on the Yo, you just, just be like, if you wanna, if you wanna get in touch with me today, send a courier with a message. Pigeon, get that pigeon. Courier pigeon. Oh yeah. Dan, what were you about to say? I was gonna say, it just reminds me of a recent South Park episode where, like, everyone's like wearing boxes over their heads, and there's like these two teachers that want to have a relationship, but they can't because it's like unprofessional. And they're like, wait, everyone's like got a box over their head so we can just do whatever they whatever we want. And they like live their lives. And it's like a great thing. And I kind of feel that way sometimes. I'm like, hey, I'm having this great life. And everyone else has got like a box over their head, a.k.a. like their phone right here or whatever. They're too busy like posing for photos or whatever. But uh, but I just don't think that that. Oh, so they 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 weren't wearing boxes. No, they're, the they're people the who, like, actually got to live their lives took the boxes off, like, liberated themselves, right? So I, that, that's kind of how I see it, too. It's just, like, do I actually feel good when I'm on social media? Like, no, that shit brings me down, right? Like, yeah. You see things that you don't, don't want to see. You see yeah, and then, you, and then you see things that you don't want to see. Oh exactly. my god! Yeah, I could go on you, forever about that. You, you, I think the, exactly. you know what I'm saying? Like, look what look what look what it did to us. Look what it did to all of our our. You know, during everything that's happened this this year. Um, so yeah, you're right. So just being able to <clears throat> di- disconnect. I mean, I've even like started shooting like film film photography again, and like just completely disconnecting and just not. Yeah, just not worrying about it. You know. I mean, yeah, I, mean, not, I think that, not to mention that some of these companies are responsible for some pretty like horrible things, right? I'm like, I can't in good conscience like support like a company like Facebook because of like the crazy shit that they do to mm-hmm. the world, well, right? I mean, like the, the, the business model is social manipulation, really. You know, for yeah. all these companies, they're in like yeah, the part of the, the part of that movie that. The part of that movie that really, really fucked me up is when they were talking about how they could just basically turn a dial oh, to where yeah. they, yeah, where they wanted to boost something in certain parts of the world. What? Like, yeah, I mean, they can manipulate the narrative so easily. Exactly. Um, exactly. But like, I, but I also, I, to play slightly devil's advocate on that, it's like. Has not always been happening since the dawn of man, though, <laughs> in one way or another, right? Yes. Like. Because like most, there was a time in centuries where only a very certain certain amount of people could even read, you know. So it's like you could manipulate history, manipulate language, manipulate manipulate culture, and, and it's it's been happening. It's just happening different, and it's it's a it's a question that I think um, you know as DJs we're told that you can't get that club gig unless you have 
so many likes on the post of the flyers like that's how you're getting booked and you know it it's it's almost such a it's such a necessity to that to that type of gig and so when you combine the need for the social media as your success avenue um and you combine that with the fact that COVID has taken away the business that you use for that avenue how does are are djs more you know we see we see even people not just djs it's not fair to say but anybody in the nightlife industry or in the entertainment industry that is out of work or been out of work um you know when it's connected to that side of your successes through the postings in your of your work and you don't have either is that like a double whammy to their mental health is that where we're seeing so much of a uh, of an anxious anxiousness with with people in the in the nightlife industry i think it has to do more with um people not knowing that there's wool in front of their eye let me tell a quick story so there was a, a time in my career very early on where i was all right, I'm going all in on DJing, but I had been working with this record label and I was the tour DJ and I was a studio engineer. And the way that the record label functioned, it was a hip hop label, was all the artists had one job. Your job was to go to the studio and write, the, well, have things written when you get to the studio and do nothing but get the things that you wrote into the microphone so we can make the music. The producers had to just produce. My job as the DJ was to be ready for the show. But they had a videographer, and this is what really kind of shaped my, my entire perspective of, like, Instagram when it got big. The videographer's job was everywhere any of us went to be filming. So we got used to the feeling of having a video camera filming us all the time. And then he, he was also an actual videographer, so he would chop up little reels so we could post some stuff post some stuff on social media and then we started seeing this is like right at the beginning of youtube we start to see based on like spending hundreds of hours together what he put together was not real life we were all there we were sleep drunk at 4 a.m most fridays but people saw us and it looked like a thing that was really really important really worth following and that's what made them pay attention to the music so fast forward my perspective on on Instagram specifically when it got big, but social media in general, I've always been into technology, but then it was always in the back of my mind. I know that there's a, there's a machine curating all of this, trying to make this look clickable, make this look like something you should pay attention to. And the moment that I started realizing I was part of the problem was when I started trying to find opportunities where I know if I have a certain number of followers, if I look a certain way on my feed, then they're going to pay me what I'm asking. And then I started trying to like fit it into the mold on what everybody clicks on in order to get the gig and it worked. And so when I say to Brian's question earlier, to Gio's question earlier of, I want to disconnect from social media. I know that there's someone controlling the things that people click on and things that make me feel like I gotta chase that rabbit, but I still am caught in the, in the maze. And I think that's the big thing that's really really messed me up throughout a lot of 2020 is I know that there's all this bullshit around this and I don't need to play the game, but my career is dependent on it. That's the hardest part for me. I think, I think mm -hmm. what's, what's interesting to think about, well, I mean, there's like a bunch of different thoughts I'm having. Like the, what's interesting to think about is like what you were just describing is very different from what I think the vast majority of people on uh, Instagram, Twitter, whatever, I think those two platforms in particular, less so TikTok, less, uh, less so Snapchat for obvious reasons. Um, 
but you're you're describing the same behavior that most people engage in in a lot of ways. The difference is is that most of them are essentially playing a game. The second South Park reference uh, are essentially playing a game of like underpants gnomes, right? First season, first episode, right? Where it's essentially like write good tweet question mark profit right like that's the game plan because there's like that's essentially what people are doing even if they're not saying it out loud is there's this like weird unconscious i think off quite literally unconscious that they don't know they have it there's this there's this sense that like this is my route to fame right this is going to be the thing that's going to get me famous and make me money eventually somehow or another right like uh, which is why if you if you follow me on twitter i'm always i'm always theorizing about the what i've not just not my thing, but like people call it like the take economy, like the hot take economy, you know, it's essentially just like you try to say the thing that's going to get the reaction because somehow some part of your brain thinks that actually turns into money in, in some capacity or another. Uh, the difference with you is that you actually do make money, right? Like, like there, there actually is a, you have a, you have an actual, from like a financial perspective, you have a, a, a very clear reason why you're doing the things that you're doing. It, 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 it does that mean it's not a bummer or, you know, frustrating or whatever? No, of course not. Like, I'm not going to say that's not the case, but there is actually like an output, right? There's a, there's a quantifiable output in the form of currency in a bank account, right? Enabling you to pay for goods and services out in the world. Like yep. the vast majority of people are doing all that same shit, but for question mark, you know what I mean? Like there's yeah. no, so that, that I think is like the, that, that when I earlier on when I said it's turning us all into brands, right? Like that's really what I meant because like for you, you are a brand online. Every DJ I know is a brand online. Like I, even though the way I use Twitter, like I try to, I, I don't try to use Twitter anyway. I just tweet whatever the hell is going on in my head at any given moment in time. And it's mostly like, I'm always shocked when I keep getting new followers and a lot of them are like, a lot of them are like DJs and stuff. I'm like, I never tweet about music. Like I just tweet about like politics and philosophy. Like that's it. Like I never talk about music. Uh, like, and I'm like, but, but I think like, I'm like, oh, people are actually like interested because I seem like a human. You know, I think there's this sense that with them, like, oh, he seems like just a guy, like a guy. Like, I feel like this is probably what it's actually like to hang out with them. And <clears throat> not wrong. But, um, but pretty much every, like, but even that is a brand. You know what I mean? Whether I want it to be or not, like I form, I have now created expectations mm-hmm. in other people's mind about who I am when they meet me. You know what I mean? And, and that, that projecting of myself out into the world is is a brand. And even though in 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 doing it, I'm not thinking of, I'm not like consciously curating that brand. When I might meet someone, I might have this moment of like, shit, they're going to expect me to be like that guy on Twitter, like. I'm kind of tired right now. Like, I don't feel like I've got anything clever to say, you know, like, like what the fuck am I going to do now? I, I think the something, uh, I don't, I don't actually lost track of who said it. Somebody said earlier, but like, um, we've always been this way. Right. And I think that's, that's a really important thing to remember. Like we act like social media is this like terrible devil that came flying out of nowhere. Like we've been being propagandized to since the first time that, humans anything resembling a civilization formed when there was people controlling knowledge you know like like that 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 is that is human history is the history of propaganda right and it's the history of who controls the power who controls the levers of propaganda at whatever given point in time you know like for a long time it was it was religion you know it was religion and then you know it pivoted it pivoted its way around through capital markets and whatever and then for most of the 20th century in america it was advertising you know, straight on, right? If you, if you go back and read Edward Bernays, uh, who was 
Sigmund Freud's cousin, who's the father of PR, public relations, like as a genre, like Edward Bernays was the first public relations specialist and he created that world and he was literally Sigmund Freud's brother, right? So he, or cousin, so he was just like taking everything from cousin and was like, oh, I know how to manipulate people. I can get into the back of their heads, whatever, whatever. Like the, literally the entire <coughs> advertising, advertising is uh, the precursor to social media, right? In the sense that like social media is like, it only exists in order to put a message for, out to put, there. Well, not just that it only exists. It only exists because advertisers advertise on it. Yeah. Like, yeah. If, like the, if the advertising dollars go away, the social, social media companies cease to exist. Like advertising is the economy, right? It, it, it is the entirety of the economy. So like, these are just new conduits of, of, of you being advertised to propagandized by, you know, corporations. Right. And, and so essentially like, it's not like social media didn't used to exist. It just used to be billboards. You know what I mean? And, and now, and now it's your phone. Right. But so it's, it's, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a novelty that has come out of nowhere. It's an upgrade. Right, it's a, it's an, mm-hmm. up, it's an upgrade, and it's, it's an opt, it's an optimization, right? You know, to use its own language, right? It's an optimization of a process that, you know, people have been doing since as long as history is human history has been a thing, you know. Um, which isn't to say it's a good thing. I think it's just I, I, I think sometimes we get we get a little bit like we're in this unprecedented state that no one's ever been in. It's like yeah, we're in a shade of a state, you know, that people have been in for a very, very long time. Um, but anyway, yeah, I think the the anyway the the reason I started blabbering about this in the first place was just like you're an exception, right? Like you could start. I saw somebody like even the chat was talking about Finstas. Like you know, you could very easily just have a second social if you wanted to have a separate social media account where you just post whatever the hell you feel like, you know, and then you can maintain the brand page because you have a reason to have a brand page. You know, I, I, again, like I you know I'm going back to what I started with, but like I think when you start thinking about how how many people are using social media, right, as a brand, right? But there's no outcome. There's no output, right? They don't get anything from it. That that's when that's when you start What's really the output. Yeah, you're like you, that's when you start being like shit. That's really fucking weird. And that's why I said like that's weird. And like, how is that affecting you? It's um, all. It's you know there there is a new job title called influencer. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> and like these 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 young kids want you know that's 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 what they're looking for is they're looking for one of their tweets or one of their posts or something they do to become popular mm-hmm. and to the point where they could continue to do that and get paid to do that you know like they're, they're all hoping for that one shot at that's at like fame, cor- you know, it's, corporate it's a corporate term for 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 that i always one. i always i always say I mean, like i've been influencing before it became a, a thing i mean just imagine if andy warhol had been alive during social media you know oh, to, you know to see like him coining that phrase you know about 15 minutes of fame was like we had no idea just in the sense of how you can just the viral the viralness of social media and, and how that and how that affects and and how that affects people you know with wanting the likes you know like just on the on that just desire the like train you know or or paying for likes or or all these things that that people do to manipulate their popularity or or make themselves feel better quite quite frankly and i think i think it would be almost foolish of anybody to say that they've never felt that to a certain degree you know it's like it's like no, I mean, I, I had some tweet get like, I had some tweet get like 
2,400 retweets or something uh, a week or so ago. Like it was about Eddie, when Eddie Van Halen died. Cause I like, I like tweeted this link. I tweeted like screen grabs of this story. It's a true story about how Eddie Van Halen like pra- like practiced with Limp Bizkit at one point in time after Wes Borland left the band and then he hated them. And so we left and he, he like abandoned ship on the whole thing and he couldn't get, um, he kept calling to get his gear back and they wouldn't bring it. And so he went over, he drove to Fred Durst's house in an armored vehicle and like basically threatened him with a gun and got all his shit back. And I was like, this is just, you know, a hilariously absurd story. The thing got like, you know, 2,500 or some odd retweets. And I like, I'm not going to lie. Like I was like, Oh, this is dope. You know, I was like, I was like, I was like very pleased with myself, you know, throughout the duration of that time. Did something go, just go wonky? With it? Yeah, something just happened. <laughs> it looks like the entire thing wanted to reset it. <laughs> oh, there. It looks like everyone's back. Oh, wow. Damn it. What did you do? I didn't do anything. I pressed the big red button. Was I, was I not supposed to press that? <laughs> do not press. Oh, we're still recording. Uh, Chris was in mid conversation and then uh, yeah. speaking. And then Doc was speaking. Doc froze and then, and then, yeah, basically, Domino. like uh, the program, like, uh, froze Completely up. He did me. like a hard reset. Uh, yeah, hard, did a hard reset. So it's probably with. <laughs> he said in the chat, we'll edit that later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll get rid of that later. It's the Chinese government <laughs> listening in on us. <laughs> They're like, shit, these people are on to us. Like a big, <laughs> like, static value. screen. And- They're like, wait, they're ta- they, we're like the equivalent of blackjack players that are reading the cards. They're like, all you guys have to go. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> they heard us talking about it. <laughs> well, given the tech crash, I feel like this is a reasonable transition. Uh, Chris Bear, we haven't really had a chance to talk about your expertise in research with psilocybin and MDMA. I think that would be something really interesting for our audience to listen to. And also, I'm curious if you can go in a little bit into what that looks like, what that is uh, positioned to do. Yeah, sure. Thanks. Um, you know, I guess, first of all, I have to say for everybody out there, this isn't an endorsement to go try these things. They are illegal. So I just want to be really clear about that. Um, but there is research underway that's sanctioned by the FDA. Uh, the, the FDA is actually given psilocybin breakthrough therapy, which is giving it the ability to move through the trials faster than, say, other drugs uh, due to a very promising initial results um, in the research. And MDMA is in phase three, which means it's probably going to clear the final hurdles next two years i'm guessing i mean don't quote me on that but it's it's coming up and um and you know just like we had this kind of reboot that just happened with zoom um you could kind of use that metaphor for how these these uh these substances operate in the human mind um a lot of the way we're all keeping track of each other right now is through this thing called the default mode network which is a constellation of different stuff on your head mostly just filtering out all the neurological stuff that we don't need to keep track of this moment so that we can pay attention. So if you're like super duper ADD, you probably experience a lot more thoughts coming in. But you know, like if we have this thing, this filtering system, and we can just kind of like turn the volume down on it, we don't have to turn it all the way down, but turn it down somewhat, the brain kind of has a big party and the neurons all crossfire. 
And when it does that, it kind of is like, um, I guess the metaphor from one of the, the main researchers is it's almost like a snow globe. Of everything goes up. There's a lot of cross-referencing that happens up there, like d- different things going on. And then when the snow comes back down, all the old tracks that were there that may have been laid are all in a fresh blanket of snow. And so in a therapeutic model, people that have experienced trauma, addiction, depression, anxiety, PTSD, they get a shot at maybe really getting a chance to recategorize or redesignate their relationship with that event in a far more constructive and healthy manner. And the therapist doesn't really do much. It's like the, the, the joke in the therapy is that the music does a lot of the work. Music takes the person into a place where they can relax and they ride that current of spirit, you know, and I'm, those are my words at least, spirit and it takes them on their own journey and the psyche wants to heal. And so it starts that process and the, and the therapist's role in that is really just to keep the person safe, um, help them have a you know, constructive experience mostly by staying out of the way. So, you know, it's almost like, you know, metaphor. It's a little bit like DJing, right? I mean, you're there to set the stage. The audience is going to do what the audience is going to do. The collective psyche of that group is doing what you do. And you are there to help let them have a really good time, keep them safe as best you can, and hope that everybody has a healing experience, right? I mean, that was the way I looked at it. Um, so that's the analog for how that stuff kind of meets together in my own life. What, uh, what applications are you, are you specifically like, where, where could you see this, this treatment being the most impactful? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, the funny thing is, is that we're doing it, you know, we, I mean, the research community, I'm just a designer. So I get to like hang out with all these super smart people. Um, uh, they're doing it really for things like depression, like what they call um, major depression disorder or medically non-responsive depression, like the really hard stuff that people can't escape or trauma. Like take a look at what's going on in our country right now. We have a lot of intergenerational trauma and this is just starting to become a tool that we might be able to figure out a way to completely help people like heal all of the things that have come like through generations of trauma and and they're still carrying all that load. Right. Um, but the other thing is, is that I'd say downstream a little further that it's, it could even be something for healthy, normal people and in in that, like in the therapeutic setting. So I'm, I'm talking really about like above ground, like, you know, in a building with like people wearing, you know, not white coats, but like something like where you go, come on in and take a seat, you know, a safe, like like, a safe, a safe, a safe space. For, yeah, exactly. For exactly. Yeah. And um, what, of course. And what, about, mm-hmm. what about, I'm sorry, sorry to interrupt. Um, mu- like mushrooms and stuff like that. Is that, is that all in the same realm of, of treatments or is that? Yeah. Yeah. They, so the mushrooms, um, the psilocybin is the active ingredient in magic mushrooms. And that's the, the reason the the researchers went down that avenue was LSD just had too much of a charge on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and psilocybin could outrun the stigma faster. Psilocybin is also natural, right? Right, right. Um, the, the research versions being um, conducted with a pharmaceutical version of it. And MDMA, which was made by uh, Sasha Shulgin out in 
uh, West Coast. I guess it was in the 80s, was just synthesized. And he was kind of like this genius, you know, person and put all these compounds together and tried them out. And that one, as we all know, is like an empathogen. So it's not a hallucinogen, but it really brings out empathy so that people can turn down the fear and then uh, become more receptive both to themselves and to other people. I mean, mm-hmm. as a lot of DJs understand, I guess. I saw that uh, that documentary on Netflix. Um, I forgot what it was called, but it was about psychedelics. Uh, I don't know if anyone uh, else have a good trip. It. Yes, have a good trip. Yes, yeah, thank you. Yeah, they, were, they, they, they talked about they talked about that like for like a split yeah. second. They were saying like that uh, mushrooms were being tested or are being researched for patients on their deathbed, basically to make the transition easier, so they're not like you know. They're happy, or they're you know they're at peace yeah, when so they that's when the they work go. That I'm I'm involved with mostly right now. We're opening a trial in about two weeks for cancer patients that have tough diagnoses, and also for their loved ones who are caring for them. So you um, you know it's, it's stressful if you have cancer because you know you don't want everyone else to feel the burden. So you're like, shit, I'm really sick, but I don't want my caregiver to like feel bad. And the caregiver's like, I don't know what to do with this person. I love them. They're dying. Like, fuck, what do I do? So, um, that's one trial that's happening. If you really want to check out some powerful shit, check out the movie, a new understanding it's free on YouTube. And that, that file is only 60 minutes and it, follows the the journey of these cancer patients as they go from this through psilocybin therapy and it's pretty mind-blowing so that's the one i would say and the other one that if you really want to learn a lot about uh, psilocybin as a powerful agent and fungus in general is fantastic fungi which is just also ridiculous and that one is like a visual explosion so once you look at that like kick back however you like to kick back on the couch and put that on and just like you <laughs> Pretty cool. Get back with a couple of caps, bro. They might as well. <laughs> hey, you didn't hear that from me, but you can do that however you want it. However you like to kick back, you may kick back. Um, so yeah, it it holds a lot of promise. And I mean, on the on the subject of mental health, um, you know, I mean, I don't want to get too like out over my skis on this, but we may be really entering a new era of healing for people that is very very promising and very very exciting and the key now is to not fuck it up is to not like they did in the 60s like throw the drugs in the street and go bananas it's just to like step by step by step so oh well that's awesome well guys it's time to end the show uh once again we went over time but Lots of good stuff there. This has been a really, really good episode. Very educational, especially since both of us really opened up uh, our feelings on this. So hopefully the audience learns something, can take something from this episode. So once again, give it up one more time for our special guest these past couple weeks. Doc Adams, DJ Koo, Impulse, Alchemist, and Chris Bear. Definitely, definitely. As always, to everybody tuning in to our show on Twitch, please stay in the chat. We are gonna pay it forward by supporting another DJ and rating their channel once our show goes off the air. So stay put. 
If you missed any of our episodes, you can watch our past shows on facebook.com slash beatrefinery or youtube.com slash beatrefinery. If you prefer to listen to the audio side of things, this episode will be uploaded this Thursday to Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you consume and listen to all things podcasts. So make sure to click like, comment, and subscribe. Come back and tune in with us again next Monday, 9 p.m. East Coast time next week. We're going to do our season finale and uh, take a little break after that. Uh, But for next week's episode, you know, we're actually going to go live this time around. Uh, I sure hope most of you, you know, tuning into the show know that this has been pre-recorded this past season. Uh, So surprise, surprise, I guess. Um, But next Monday, we're going live. We're probably going to do... We're, we're probably going to bring back uh, Sean's tech tip of the week. Some of as one's DJ tip, maybe some, you know, DJs uh, playing a set, but it's a free for all. We'll probably have some special guests on on that season finale, but we're definitely going live and we will definitely want to talk to our audience uh, and just, you know, chop it up with them. So uh, thanks again to everybody for tuning in. Election day is tomorrow. So once again, voice your opinion. Make sure to rock that ballot and vote. Vote, guys. Keep wearing a mask. Spread some love. We'll see you guys next week for the season finale. We're going live once again. So everybody, say peace out. Oh. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, uh,